Over the last few years, event professionals have seen a lot of changes and challenges that are going to have a lasting effect on the industry. Welcome to Event Horizons, where we go behind the scenes with event professionals to keep our finger on the pulse of the exciting and ever-changing events industry. I'm Nolan Ether. And I'm Olivia Van Kieran. Today, we're talking with Caitlin Barrett, Content Marketing Manager at WebEx Events about all things event content. How do we see the relationship working between content and events? And in what ways does content feed events and vice versa? How does, um, how do events feed content? Yeah, so I, I think events and content have a really symbiotic relationship and you kind of can't have one without the other. They really feed each other. It's something we've been talking about a lot recently, just using, you know, anytime we host an event or create content for an event, how can we take that content and use it for blogs, infographics, social media, email marketing, whatever we can do to keep using it. You work so hard on events that using it in your content just makes sense. And it's something that you should keep doing. And then vice versa, like you, especially like our content team, we work so hard on putting together content about events, about the events industry, content that benefits event professionals and event planners. And we're really trying to, you know, create content that helps people and isn't just like, okay, I'm going to read this and then forget about it two minutes later. So figuring out how to amplify that and using it again in an event. So creating an event around the content you've already created is a great way to do that. And so I think they go together really seamlessly. Yeah, I I think that events is one of those areas that like, over the years, it seems like has been one of the last to kind of like adopt for this, the, that symbiotic relationship with, with content, it seems, um, where, you know, the, we've seen it a thousand times, like people will come on and, uh, you know, be scheduled to, to speak at an event or whatnot. And they're creating content specifically for that event. Like they're creating a deck or like, even like the event planners will like, put it on put, either put it on the speaker to create the content without any kind of you know larger understanding and then the content you know folks uh who have to create content for marketing are also like creating it by themselves so like there's these very like siloed um kind of areas and it's funny because it's one of the largest struggles that we find that like speakers and event professionals have is like the content like that's that that's a very difficult part for them and so just like working more closely with the content team and the content team working more closely with the events team gives you the ability to be consistent and to create content with like this whole season is really about doing more with less. Um, and so, you know, thinking through what those larger themes are and what the talking points are ahead of time and making sure that, you know, when you're going to an event that the content you're creating can be used for your content, content meaning like your market content marketing uh, and then vice versa just makes sense because you're going to have to create that content anyway. So you might as well make it consistent. So, yeah, I like to think of events as like living content, right? So like the the event that you're you're hosting, that's like you're producing content in real time and obviously leading up to the event. But there is such a relationship between the two. And I think it's so important to to leverage that content even after your event. We talk a lot about continuous engagement and um, you know, engaging your audience before, during, and after your event. And after your event, I think there can be kind of this sense of like scrambling, you know, what are we going to send out? Um, you know, what what kind of content um, can we share with our audience after this experience? But 
you know, as you're planning an event and pulling your content together, and that's the time to start thinking about, okay, what parts of this presentation um, or, or the session or keynote can we repackage and then send out after the event? Um, because your event really is this kind of content goldmine of, of things that you can share with your audience, you know, even after the event is over to kind of keep that conversation going and, um, you know, pay attention in real time to what is performing well in the event. You know, if you're using event tech, you can really look at that and we'll get into this later in the, in the episode, but looking at your metrics to see what are people engaging with and how can you, you know, repurpose and repackage that to share afterwards? Cause there's interest there and, and people are showing that they want more. So how can you use the, the event itself to, to give them those resources? You said something interesting earlier, just about bringing teams together. And we've talked about, you know, content teams. And it's easy for me to just think in terms of content team, because that's what I do. But it really doesn't have to just be your content team and your events team. We work with our sales team. We work with our customer success team. There's content to be found throughout your organization. And it really makes it easier to create that content and build events from it and vice versa when you're working like across the organization and not just relying on a couple of teams. Yeah, that's so that's leads us into our next question. So how do you um, ding? How do you uh, <laughs> how do you work with those teams? You know, like, I, I think figuring out what's resonating with customers is really important. And a lot of times those folks that you just mentioned are the ones that are on the front line. So what are some best practices for like working with those teams and making sure that they're actually informing the content that you're creating? I think the first thing and for smaller teams like maybe this is a little bit easier but especially if you're in a large organization just getting to know those people and introducing yourself I think it's much harder to go to someone cold and just be like hey what what's going on in this area of the organization and how can I use it and how can you help me just kind of establishing that relationship first helps so we we have a bunch of different slack groups trying to you know just basically make announcements like letting you know what's going on and that's a great place to ask questions and get to know what other people are doing and if you have the chance to attend a meeting where those teams are talking about the stuff that they're working on that's a great opportunity too and just trying to sit on those meetings and then inviting people across other teams to your meetings um you know, even if it's just like a monthly or bi-weekly jam session where you kind of want to talk through ideas, if they have the time, that's a good way to get to know them. And then just, you know, paying attention to the calendar and paying attention to what they're doing. And again, asking those questions, seeing how you can use it in your marketing content or your events content. And I've also recently had a lot of um, our like sales enablement and customer facing team members come to me and say, hey, we saw this event that was put on. Can we work together to create an infographic? Or our customer success people or our salespeople are asking for this thing specifically. Uh, can we work on it together? And then you kind of get to have some input and you know build something together instead of just you know two teams separately creating stuff and you never get to see what each other are doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And and it's funny because I think it when you're first starting, you know, for event professionals who are just starting to, to work this muscle, like it does take time to build some of those relationships if you don't have it already. But I think once you do, once you start bringing in customer success folks and sales folks, like they're, they, they know what customers are asking, they know what customers want. And so once you start, they start seeing the fruits of their labors, you know, outputs and deliverables and assets that are resonating with customers, 
um, then you'll always find like, it won't be everyone, but you'll always find a handful of people that are always just really excited about this stuff. And then those are your wells that you want to go back to and keep tapping and, and, and reaching out to, because they're going to come up with incredible ideas that actually resonate with your audience. And you don't have to guess, you can actually, uh, create stuff that, you know, uh, is going to work and that people care about. Yeah, for sure. I think our, our customer team is amazing and it's so nice to, to be connected to them and, they're on the front lines, they're interfacing with customers every day. And so hearing their perspective and um, just hearing about, you know, customer feedback on our product and just resources that we share and what's helpful. It's just really nice to stay connected. And like Nolan said, you're not guessing, you actually are hearing from the source, you know, what is what's going to resonate. We've talked a lot about um, repurposing and uh, doing more with glass. We've talked about that throughout the season, but we've kind of hinted at it on, on this episode. Let's talk about the importance of repurposing and maybe some strategies or examples of how organizations and teams can effectively repurpose their content to maximize their impact. I know we have some great examples of repurposed content. So let's chat about that. Give some examples. Caitlin, do you have any examples that we've created that you want to highlight? Um, yeah, definitely. So one that comes to top of mind is something that we're working on recently. We did an event called From Pain Points to Solutions, and it was really about the top three or so pain points that event planners and professionals are facing today and just those challenges. And then the event was about how we can solve those problems and make your lives easier. Uh, and so that was something that we wanted to repurpose. We wanted to use more. I think that you know, seeing not only just being able to see pain points and be like, yeah, like, I agree with that. Um, I feel seen and heard. And then but actually getting a solution to that is important. So we repurposed it into an infographic and a blog post. And then our email marketing manager was able to take that infographic and break it up into three different sections and then actually talk about the solutions in email underneath those sections. Um, the blog we were able to share on social and our sales representatives are coming to us and, hey, can I have a link to the blog? Hey, can you put a link to watch the webinar on demand in the infographic so I can send this out to potential clients, potential customers, or even you know customers who are maybe having just some event planning pain, feeling the pain points themselves. So that is top of mind. And I think just a really great example of how we have repurposed content and are continuing to repurpose it. Yeah. Repurposing to me is still one of those like so underutilized tactics, like, you know, especially in an era where we're trying to do more with less, like you're creating this content for whatever platform or for whatever medium or format. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have a team of people who are trying to figure out what should we put on social? What should we send in an email? What should we talk about at this event? What should we, you know, create this customer uh, one sheet for or whatever? Um, and there's just something a lot of people struggle with, like, I don't know if they feel like they're cheating, like they're not working hard enough, you know, they have to create something new every time, or, or maybe they feel like, you know, we don't want to be repetitive. Um, but I think it's really important that people need to kind of ingest the idea of continuing to hone in and, re and, and nail those same kind of themes and core ideas over and over again, uh, across different mediums native for each particular medium, right? So speak to your LinkedIn audience the way a LinkedIn audience wants to hear it. Uh, if it's a visual medium, make it visual, you know, uh, less copy, more visual elements that, that get the same points home. Um, you know, video can be cut into audio or into clips or into longer form. Most people are not going to see your content like that often. 
right? I know it's very easy when, you know, our team, we're, we're all uh, guilty of it. Like you feel like, oh my God, how many times am I going to say the same thing over and over? But the reality is most customers or prospects might see it once or might see it twice. Maybe they see it in a, you know, in a LinkedIn post. And then a couple weeks later, they might see it in an email headline that they don't even open or, you know what I mean? Like that's the average customer experience, not that they're seeing everything you're creating. And so, uh, repurposing and making that content go as far as it possibly can on different mediums. So it's more likely to reach your audience uh, with those key themes and perspectives, I think is is really important. And it's good for being a good steward of your resources. Yeah. And like, you know, if you have an asset, um, for example, like we have a, a hybrid run of show that um, Caitlin created and it's a really great asset. If you have that, it's performing well for one segment of your audience. Maybe you tweak it for a different segment. So if it's performing well, for example, for, um, you know, kind of uh, an event professional who works in a small to mid-sized business, you can then tweak that asset um, to speak more to an enterprise audience. Um, So you don't necessarily need to create an entirely new asset. There are just maybe some few tweaks as far as messaging and branding that you can apply to make it relevant to a much wider audience. Yeah, like Caitlin, could you speak to maybe like the G2 guide that we create and then how we have more of the enterprise version of the guide or or some other example, if there's one that jumps out at you at at kind of how you would go about doing that? Yeah, definitely. So G2 software review site publishes a grid platform or a grid report every year that basically ranks event management platforms. We've been ranked at the top consistently they give you a report, they give you a PDF, and it has quotes from customers just about the different aspects of your platform or your software and how they've enjoyed it, how it's been reviewed. And it's a really great asset for us. I think it it speaks to how great our platform is, but also it's testimonials. It's coming from real people. It's not just us, you know, talking about ourselves. So it's great to, to put out there, but there are the one that they give you is not focused toward a specific group. The reviews are from customers across the board as far as uh, industry goes. And so we, you know, want to speak more to an enterprise audience. That's something that we've been focusing on. And so we're actually able to take that report and G2 has a wonderful feature where you can filter out by industry and uh, size of company. So you can choose enterprise clients, you can find their reviews And we were able to pull those reviews and put them into a more enterprise-focused G2 report infographic. Um, And that's been really great to be able to provide our our sales team with just two different reports that, you know, they can provide to two different types of clients and then also to be able to put on our site. And if you're you're on the site, you have a larger company, you might be interested in us, but not really see how we fit the bill for a massive company. Um, but not anymore because right next to it is the enterprise version. So, you know, we do it all. Yeah. So you would, with, I won't say little, but minimal, you know, additional effort, you then have two completely different or not completely different, but largely different assets that talk to two different audiences. You can target to two different audiences. You can put in different nurture streams. You can retarget with paid advertising, all those different things with the same core asset at, at the foundation, which is really cool. As far as 
data. Uh, data plays a significant role in understanding attendees and tailoring content to their preferences. So how can event organizers leverage data to gain insights about attendees and how can they, they then effectively use this data to personalize and tailor content to create a more engaging experience? <laughs> I want Olivia to go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of this can start with just the registration experience. So when you're, you're getting uh, attendees interested in your event, they're going through the registration process, use that data to inform your content. So for example, in, in the WebEx events platform, you can ask specific questions and um, you know maybe you want to know uh, what kind of industry topics they're interested in, if they have any groups or, or other um, professional organizations that, are, that they're a part of. Have your attendees indicate that information in, in the registration process and then use that data to put them into specific um, you know, special topic groups at your event. Maybe use it for a networking session um, at the event so they can get connected to other people who have similar interests. Um, this goes to personalization too, which I think, you know, all attendees right now, um, they want that. And event professionals are really trying to provide personalized experiences. Um, so if you can use that data to understand who your audience is, what they're interested in, um, they're going to have a better content experience at your event because they're going to recognize that you, you know, use that information, you understand them, their pain points, you know, things that they're, they're passionate about, and you're crafting this very personalized experience for them, which is going to make their experience better and will hopefully, you know, keep them coming back for, for more events as well. Um, so I think that that's really important that that first that first touch point that you have with your attendees once the, once they're you know kind of in that attendee journey um, and, and registering for your event, use that opportunity to to capture as much data as you can. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And kind of what you said earlier, like asking questions. So I think data can be a scary word, especially if you're a content person doing events and doing content, or data isn't your day to day. Like there's definitely data. Okay. 98% of people attended the session and stayed until the very end. And that's great data to have. You can use that and say, okay, this is probably content that our attendees like, and maybe we'll take this session and cut it down and turn into videos that we'll put on social, or we'll write a blog about the session or send an email about it or something. But there's, it, it also doesn't have to be that scary and it doesn't have to be like solely numbers focused. You can ask questions. You can ask questions during the middle of your event like you said, you know, asking at registration, you can launch surveys, polls, things like that as your event is going on. And even after your event to see what your attendees liked and hear it directly from their mouths and not just from the numbers and take that information and use that to figure out what content you want to use next, what content you want to continue pushing on social. Um, so yeah, I think surveys are a great thing to talk about and think about when it comes to data. It doesn't have to just be numbers. It can be quotes and information directly from your attendees. Yeah, yeah I think polling too in an event, that's a really quick and kind of rapid fire way to collect information. And it allows your attendees to kind of see what other people are thinking. If you're having you know real-time polling in your event um, and you're asking questions that are specific about your industry, or a, or a topic, attendees can kind of see where other people are at. And then on the flip side, you're collecting that information. And then maybe you use that to, to make an infographic or you use it to, you know, kind of anchor a, a new blog post around that topic and that data. 
I think that sometimes there can be a, a fear or people going to, or am I going to lose people after the event? Am I going to want to take time to like fill out something? Um, I think it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, and I think it depends on how you write your survey and, um, you know, deliver it. But if you're looking for one to keep people engaged during your event and keep people to keep people tuned into the session, polling is a great way to do that, but it's also a, a great way to, to capture data and then use that after the event as well. Absolutely. I think we're going to, we're, we're going to enter soon kind of the era of hyper personalized content. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, but one thing that, that event professionals could do that's actionable, you know, going back to what you guys were talking about, about like registration process and things like that. For example, uh, WebEx events has dynamic registration. So you can actually ask different questions, um, you know, depending on how the previous answers uh, came about. So someone, you know, wants this particular uh, session or is interested in this particular topic, then it'll ask certain additional follow-up questions that it wouldn't ask otherwise. And if you answer differently, it would ask different questions. And so that might be a way to kind of 80-20 your personalization is like if you have, for example, three or four segments or personas, you could kind of use that registration and dynamic registration to have people self-select into the right kind of persona and then have use, for example, I think we'd be remiss if we don't mention, you know, generative AI, things like chat GPT to create, you know, small, perhaps let's say 70, 80% of your asset is the same, but then you have a 30 to 35% that's sort of dynamic where depending on how they answer this particular question, you're going to talk about something in this way um, and have a couple of kind of different elements throughout the piece that, that uh, make it segmented. And so, you won't have it, you know, like, oh, this is the uh, this is the version of this ebook that's specifically for Caitlin Barrett, but you might have one that's specifically for, you know, this enterprise person or this more small business person or somebody who works in healthcare or you know whatever. Um, however, you segment your audiences, and that would make it feel more relevant and personalized without such a heavy lift. And then you can have four or five different, you know, uh, versions of the asset. Definitely, and not only do we have dynamic registration, but we also go as far as to have attendee types or attendee groups. And so once you use that dynamic registration, you can group your attendees into different groups <laughs> and uh, to customize what they see in the event platform based on their group. So you can customize the agenda, you can show different links. And so it's just another way to make it feel hyper-personalized once they even get into your event. And it's not a huge extra lift. You makes it easy just by putting them into a group. You can show different people different things. Yep. And again, a, a, an attendee is not going to see everybody else's event experience. So if it feels relevant for them and it's close enough, it's going to feel personalized, even if it's not exactly personalized to that one person. Maybe there's a hundred other people who have the same version um, who's in the same group or segment, but they're getting something that's more relevant to them than the generic uh, kind of experience. And that's going to land and be something I think that attendees appreciate. For sure. So next topic is a good one. It's about holistic attendee or creating a holistic attendee journey. So um, can we provide some examples or best practices of how to seamlessly integrate content throughout the entire attendee journey? So from pre-event to post-event. Um, let's maybe start with pre-event. Um, what are some ways that you know we can leverage or event professionals can leverage content um, to you know, deliver to attendees and that, that pre-event stage? Um, yeah. So I think like even before registration, 
if your attendees know who you are, they're thinking about attending your event, they're probably on your social, they're probably on your website. And so you can kind of have that continuity by starting to post, post social posts, link to blogs about, you know, kind of teasing what you're going to have at your event and hyping up what you're going to have at your event. We use pop-ups on our website a lot that even link to our events and say like, hey, check out this thing and then register for this event because it's going to be awesome. And here's what we're going to talk about. Um, so you can really start connecting with your attendees and starting to like get them invested and excited about the content that you share on a daily basis, not even just at your events before your event even starts. And then, like you said, once you've registered, you can start to get really personalized, get to know them better, find out what they like, start talking about that start sending emails about the types of things that they're interested in and you've already established this relationship with your content before your event has even kicked off. Yeah. And I think going back to like the, the, I think you uh, phrased it, Olivia, as like, you know, the holistic customer journey, like a holistic customer journey doesn't start or isn't necessarily uh, focused around or centered around an event, right? It could be multiple events. It's the entire journey. And so, Thinking through it not in the context of the event is probably one of the major switches in in mindset that event professionals probably need to be thinking through. How do I work with my uh, my content team, my marketing team, my product team earlier, um, whether it's quarterly or twice a year or whatever, to think about the themes and the perspectives that your organization has, the key points you want to drive home. And then you're either creating that in, you know, whether it's a, a speaking deck for an event or whether it's a large asset like an ebook or an analyst paper or something like that, you're creating that larger asset up front. And then you have all the material to go back to our previous question earlier and, and to repurpose. And so then when you're thinking about it, you're like, okay, well, if they're gonna, we're gonna talk about this part of it at the event, right? We're not gonna cover the entire thing. Well, then what are the things that we really want to seed with that? Uh, attendee earlier and have them be thinking about what are the the barriers or milestones in their mind that we want them to reach before they ever get to the event? What's the homework we want them to do? Um, ideas we want them to be familiar with before they get there. And then when you're there in person or virtual and you're looking at somebody's face, like that's when you can really drive that home and take them to the next kind of plateau in their thinking. And then following up, you know, coming out of the event is where you're like really nailing that down. You're reiterating it. You're asking them for that next step and call to action to move them forward and whatever it is that you want them to do uh, in the buyer's journey. So backing out, not thinking about it in terms of, you know, because a lot of that's going to that's the issue. I think a lot of event professionals are going to have is they're like, I would love to do that, but I don't have the event content ready until like three days before the event. So how am I going to send emails or, you know, put it on social? I think by backing out and not thinking about it in terms of the event and thinking about it as a holistic program, which is really what this whole podcast episode is all about, is about that content and events uh, teams really working together kind of holistically. I think that that's probably the way to to set yourself up to be able to, to do that full customer journey. I like that idea of planting the seeds early on. Um, you don't have to, to give the entire... If you're, for example, you know, going off of a, a report or a guide and then using that to kind of anchor your event around and you want to communicate that message throughout the customer journey, um, you can kind of sprinkle it throughout. You don't have to, to deliver the entire the entire summary of the report in, in one social post or one email. It can um, really serve you well and that you can break it up and, and make it more digestible for um, your, your attendees and then 
um, throughout the journey, they're kind of getting the full picture of, of that asset or the, the message that you're, you're trying to convey. Caitlin, over the last you know year, eighteen months, we've we've gone through quite a journey in uh, bringing the content, doing exactly what we're encouraging folks to do now, bringing the content team and the events team closer together. Can you talk about what some of the best practices and learnings are from the past you know year, year and a half of us doing this, and what are some of like the key milestones of like okay, if you're going to start and you don't really have any of this now, and content's kind of its own thing, or marketing's its own thing and events is its own thing. And we really want to start doing this. What are sort of like evolutionary steps? Like what's the first thing that you should probably do uh, to make sure, okay, like this is, you know, now we're 20% of the way down the path, but then we've got kind of another, um, we've got kind of a runway. Can you think of like, what are some of those milestones or key things that you should do um, to start building this motion for event professionals and content teams? Yeah, I think the first big thing is just identifying what you have. I think you probably, for me, especially like starting and coming in, it was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't even know where to start. And just sitting, you probably have more than you think you do. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So just sitting down and taking a look at your content and your events and everything that you can pull from. um, And it, it gives you a great place to start and a really big foundation. And I think it makes it feel less like just this big open-ended question of what do I do? From there, you know, taking what you have, it might not all be relevant to your audience. It might not be relevant to what's going on in the industry right now or, you know, what you're trying to share at your events. So figuring out, you know, what is my, what does my audience want to hear? And that's where polls and surveys and questions come in and just, you know, kind of being tuned into the industry, like checking out social media and checking out the internet and seeing what people want to hear and then taking what you have. Okay. Where can I use what I have to fill in these gaps? And then what gaps do I need to fill in? What do I need to create? I think that's a really good place to start. I love, Caitlin, what you said about um, starting with what you have. So, you know, a lot of times you probably do have a lot more than you think. Some of it's relevant, some of it's not. So do an audit. Um, content folks are going to be very familiar with an, with a content audit. Uh, event professionals, maybe not as much. Make sure you're also including your con- your actual event content uh, and presentation decks and things in that audit, not just your, you know, externally facing deliverables. Look at sales enablement materials. Look at one pagers. Look at all that kind of stuff. Look at your website. And then I think it's really about um, to kind of bring home some of the stuff we've talked about already on this episode, like start with a couple of core assets um, or, or identify a couple of key events that are coming up. What is it that you want to talk about at that particular event? Is it targeted towards a specific audience? Is it targeted towards a specific industry? Obviously, that's probably relevant to you if you're attending that event and presenting at that event or starting in with the, on the content side. Um, either way, create some kind of messaging documentation the two of you olivia and caitlin did a great job um putting together and then owning and keeping up with our kind of quarterly themes so what are the things we want to continue to talk about so that when we're writing a social post or an email or creating language for the website or whatever that we can go back and know that what we're talking about is relevant and we're just keeping that updated that's the source of truth um and so that keeps your messaging consistent uh, and then once you have kind of a couple of either a you know a presentation deck or an ebook or whatever that big element is a video um, whatever um, then it's about getting into that repurposing motion figuring out how do you break this down make it you know necessary or, or relevant for each particular audience or platform 
Um, and I would say the easiest thing to do is start by recording <laughs> your events if you're not already and cutting it down in some way, pulling quotes out, making graphics out of a quote, cutting down the video. Yes, that's a little more, you know, or creating a podcast. That's a little bit more complex and tedious, but using that source material and then creating derivatives from that. Don't feel like you have to create 12 net new assets, about 12 different topics per quarter or six months. It's just not going to happen. Start start with baby steps, stay consistent in your messaging um, and hammer those couple of core themes home. And then, you know, from there, I think by that point, you'll you'll have learned a lot of lessons and have a lot that you can move into that next phase. Yeah, the creating the theme stock um, for, I think we did that, I don't know if it was two quarters in a row, but anyway, the, the content team created a document just based on um, what we heard from the podcast and just reading about industry news and what we're seeing in the market. We developed these like five to six um, core themes and then met with the events team and we walked through them together. They gave us their feedback and it just helped us all be aligned on what we're um, messaging throughout the quarter. So there was no surprises. It wasn't going to be a case of the events team see something that we're creating and they're thinking, well, that's not really what we're seeing. And that's not what we're producing on the event side and vice versa. We were all on the same page. And as we've said before, like getting insight from another area of the business was really important um, because the, for in our case, our events team, um, you know, has a perspective that we don't have. We're not necessarily all event producers and organizers like they are. So getting their insight um, really helped us kind of tweak and fine tune those themes and helped us all, you know, kind of just be on the same page and make sure that we were going into the quarter really strong and that anything that we were creating, we had a, an understanding of, of what, what theme that was speaking to. Yeah. yeah and I think if it's, even if getting to the point where you're creating themes is kind of difficult, I think we, something that I've tried to do, and I think that we've tried to do, if we're trying to fill in gaps or missing a big content piece or trying to think of some kind of asset that we can provide people, the kind of key question is like, how can we help people? How can we help our audience? So, uh, you know, for us, for event planners, we created the event planning checklist and we created a budget template. And I think those things resonated very well. And it all started with what can we do to make an event planner's life easier? And I think that's also a good place to start if you're having you know, trouble filling in gaps or, or want to create more content, just try to figure out how you can help your audience. And especially in this world of like AI and chat GPT, and you can go anywhere and type in a question and get an answer to it. Um, I think being able to kind of give that to your, your audience or your customers, but also have that personal touch, like, you know, what you do better than chat GPT does, I dare to say. So it, yeah, just coming up with a way that you can help your audience and with a personal touch, I think always does well when it comes to creating content. Can you talk a little bit, Caitlin, about um, research, how, how we research topics um, for, for content that we're creating? And I think kind of goes along with that, like the different types or intents of content, right? Like, so we talked about the full kind of customer journey. So like, what are the right types of things we should be talking to a customer about when they're like, all the way at the top of funnel, right? And 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 I, I don't know how even familiar some event professionals might not think in terms of like funnel and things like that, but like someone who's just sort of aware of the problem, but not necessarily of the solution or the options or even of you as an organization, how is that kind of content different from, for example, the content that 
uh, you would want to put in front of someone after they've attended an event and they're maybe uh, considering your offering or something like that. How do you, how do you think about that? How do you research those or make sure that they're relevant for each kind of stage of the buyer's journey? Yeah. So for like top of the funnel content, basically just making people aware of your offering or your product. I think it, I mean, literally as it sounds, it is kind of just about awareness. So figuring out, you know, if someone is like Google, what <laughs> like just go to Google and type in, you know, a question that you think you might have if you were, if you were searching for this product. So for us, you know, for event professionals it, and event planners, it kind of starts at the very top, like, you know, hosting an event or planning an event or hosting an event online or, you know, help with in-person events, just super general and seeing, you know, what, what's coming up, what other people are talking about in the industry, what people are searching for. Um, it kind of gets into SEO a little bit, but even if you're not familiar with search engine optimization tools, like there are a bunch of free ones that you can go to and, um, you know, see what people are searching for in relation to your offering even Google Trends, you can you know type in a couple words and see what's trending around those different products, and all of that is free and a good place to start. And I think it's in that stage, it's mostly just about getting to know your audience at that point. And I think it it sometimes can be tough to do, especially when you've been with a place so long, or maybe you started your company and you want to host events to you know tell people about what you're doing. It's easy to understand what you're doing because you've been doing it for so long and not easy to see it from the lens of someone who has no idea what you do or why it matters to them. And so just a lot of, a lot of research and a lot of just trying to be like empathetic and going into understanding, you know, what those people, what your audience needs at that time. You touched on SEO a little bit. I mean, I think the, for event professionals uh, sake, if they don't have a background in content or in that type of kind of performance marketing, like the idea is to bring folks in who are aware of a problem that you solve, but to not necessarily talk about it in terms of your solution, but to just make it relevant to them um, and to earn trust and to earn loyalty and to earn respect with that audience over time. Um, And this podcast is an example of that. I mean, I think uh, I guess it was last episode. We finally started talking about, we, we did a whole episode about uh, event platforms, but for the majority of this entire run of this podcast, we're really just trying to help event professionals. Um, and, and you know, we've been listened to in 30 plus countries and there's people who now, you know, trust that we're doing the research that we've kind of got our finger on the pulse um, and that we've provided them actionable tactical information that they can use. And so now, when we start talking about WebEx events as a platform um, and the things that it can do and how it can help you, they understand that we understand their problems. Um, and at that point, we can start talking about features or how we compare against other things or things like that. Um, but bringing people in uh, early, you know, it's going it's very difficult to create content that just targets somebody who's ready to buy your solution. Um, Cause at that point you're coming in cold. It's like, you know, a cold call or somebody showing up at your doorstep wanting to talk about, you know, whatever. And, and they just haven't spent the time building their relationship. You don't know who they are. You don't know why you should be, why you should care. And so I think that's, you know, that's a really important part is just to make sure that you're, you know, part of the, the kind of foundational principles of content marketing and, and content strategy is about providing value um, upfront. And so like, for example, your, uh, your, all the tools and templates that we've created that have just been a huge hit 
those are not things where like when someone downloads an event planning checklist, they're not necessarily ready to buy an event platform. But then when they see that event planning checklist and says, holy crap, this is way better than the one I'm using. It's clean. It's easy to use. They have all the things that I need. It seems to understand who I am and what I need. Then over time, you're like, okay, like if they get that, then they probably get, you know, some of the other things that I might need to. And over time, uh, you build that relationship. So uh, Olivia, did you have any thoughts on this topic? Yeah, definitely. Like the importance of of warming up um, your leads. You definitely don't want to to hit them with a demo request at the very beginning. Um, And this just goes back to research, like understanding you know, what problems they're having, what pain points and, and what kind of content can you create to kind of pull them in um, if it's that they're having a hard time keeping their event organized or, you know, uh, keeping the production elements of their of their event organized, uh, a run of show or an event planning checklist. These are, these are things that we've created based on research and what is trending in the industry. Um, and that really warms up your audience and builds that trust. There, there are multiple touch points. It's not a you know one and done type of situation. Um, you have to kind of build that trust between your your audience and your brand, and and prove that you understand them. You're taking the time to um, do the research and create content that ultimately makes their life easier. Yeah, and you're casting a wide net early, right? So that you're getting people's email information or they're following your social profiles, and then you have that time to build that relationship and put more content that's relevant in front of them. Sorry, Caitlin. Oh, no, you're fine. And I was just going to say, Olivia, you you said, you know, you don't have to put a CTA up front. And I would go as far as to say you don't have to put a CTA at all. Like, I have, we write a lot of blogs. There are plenty of blogs that talk about things that maybe don't necessarily lead into you wanting to request a demo of our platform, and that's okay. But what we do have is a CTA, hey, join our email list, where we can continue to send you, you know, blogs and articles and things that relate and you can nurture your audience and and continue to establish trust if they sign up for your email list but maybe don't visit your blog again for a while because they didn't google something relating to what you're posting about you still are building that relationship with them so yeah it doesn't always have to be a you know get a demo check out our product it can be you know let us just continue to send you cool information about the world that you're living in When you're like in the consideration phase, when you're actually like at least starting to think about a solution uh, to your big problem, you know, and you're reading an asset or a resource that we've created or that somebody's created and you start to see, oh, they're recommending this thing. I don't have this thing. Um, You know, that's a way to, you know, as long as you're being genuine and authentic, which we are when we create the content, um, we genuinely believe that you need these things and that that's why our solution um, has them. Then it gets people thinking, you know, moving them forward, uh, different milestones, you know, kind of in their mind in the customer journey of, okay, before I was trying to download a PDF to solve this problem. Now I'm realizing that maybe I have a bigger problem. There's these other features or benefits or things that my audience doesn't have access to that I wish they did. Well, what's the next, you know, obvious thing there is let's start looking at these platforms. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> the company that I just downloaded this from seems to know what they're talking about because they're bringing all these things up and making me realize I wasn't thinking about them. Maybe I should look at their offering. And then maybe you're one of three or five or whatever, but at least you're in the mix and in the conversation. Um, and that's really, you know, as silly as it might sound, that's that's the long game. That's the way that the content and you know, events play together. So this might be getting a little too deep into like digital marketing or marketing, but it also kind of depends on, you know, what you're doing once you capture that lead. So 
if you're hitting people over the head with a bunch of like demo, demo, here's what our product does, then I think that can inform what you gate as well. So trying to look at those those items that you're providing that people are closer to your product. So if it's maybe it's a G2 guide and you you want to gate that, someone wants to learn more about your product. And then when you capture that email address and you're sending them emails that are download our product or check out a demo, it's not as much of a shock. Whereas if you gated something pretty general. Yeah. Mapping, we were talking about that, the holistic customer journey, like mapping that journey out to understand where they are um, when they download something might help you. Like the higher they are, the less likely that you need to gate. Um, the lower that you are, you probably do, unless you're getting really into specific features, in which case I think you mentioned earlier, Caitlin, like why would we box somebody out of reading the core thing that's going to help them decide to use our product, right? Um, so yeah, thinking about that and then working really closely with like your your paid media team, your email uh, you know, team and things like that to make sure that you know, if they download this particular asset, that means that at, that now we can retarget them with these types of ads that are maybe starting to get more solution focused and not just about these high level problems. And if you download this particular asset, maybe it means that, uh, you know, if we're starting to compare features, maybe it means we, we skip the beginning of the nurture stream where we're talking about the high level problem and we kind of meet them where they are. They're a little bit lower funnel. They got there however they got there. Different people have different paths. But once you're at that point, like start the nurture there. Um, and give them the information that they need to, to move to the next step in their journey. So great tips. This has been great. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for joining us um, on our, our content episode this season. Uh, you provided so many great insights. And I know that people are going to find this really valuable. Just tons of practical tips of you know how to start small, um, not get overwhelmed, and, and make a lot of impact um, within your, your events and content programs. So appreciate um all the insights yeah thanks for having me it was fun yeah and we my first podcast ever awesome (laughs) and we know that um content is something that a lot of event professionals have questions about and are struggling with um if you are we definitely recommend that you could you can attend events there's events in the content space for example inbound um, which is sponsored created by hubspot um is a one of the largest if not the largest content and kind of inbound marketing um, conference out there and our very own Caitlin Barrett is hosting a workshop in September on exactly this topic, uh, bringing events and content together. So, um, definitely if you're, if you're looking to step up your content game for sure, you know, sign up for inbound. Um, but even better, make sure that you're attending the workshop with Caitlin and she will go much deeper into this topic and, and you guys will be content experts in no time. And come say hi. Thanks for joining us, Caitlin. We have tons of free resources for event professionals on our website. Visit socio.events slash resources to check them out. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with our final episode of season two. Until then, I'm Nolan Ether. And I'm Olivia Van Kieran. This podcast is brought to you by WebEx Events, formerly Socio. Before you go, be sure to leave a review and follow the show so you don't miss an episode. We'll talk with you next time on Event Horizons.